0: The title of the message today is Where to Turn in Times of Trouble, right? I want to share a verse with you that is kind of just going to be the foundation of the message here today. It's coming out of the book of Psalms. But even but I want to share with you that let me assure you that God's word is not going to recommend you turn to a bartender, right? You know? Now again, I'm, I'm going to bartender, not to real, I mean, I know my point is God's word is not going to tell you to turn to scenarios and to people and situations that is not going to glorify Him, that is not going to turn around and support His truth and support Him, right? And my guess is if you're sitting in a bar, knocking them down, it's probably going to go that way, right? But whether it's a bartender or anyone else that's going to you know, contribute to you being kind of apart from God or to maybe giving you insight that wouldn't line up with God, you probably don't want to go there. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll, we'll, kinda, we'll support that later on in the message. Now listen, verse 46, verse Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. You see, this is a beautiful psalm. The psalm, this is the people of Israel are reading this psalm. It's being written, and when they're taking it in, they're being introduced to a God who's very personal, right? And if if you, you realize that what this verse is saying, and actually the 46th chapter in Psalms is saying, is that God is for us and God is with us. And so the Israelites who originally read this Psalm, they would understand the bigness, the greatness, the mighty and the awesomeness of their God. But they also would have got that he's a God who's very close to them. He's very personable. They are his people in particular. We are his people. He is close to us. This is personal to him, and it should be personal to us. Don't miss that word, that phrase, ever-present. You might want, you might want to write that down today on that space on your connection card, some of you. You just want to write down ever-present on that space in your connection card. You want to read it. You want to take it in. God is ever-present in my life. Huh? You see, he is our strength. He is our refuge. He is always there. But you need to really believe that. You need to absorb that. You need to take that in. And as you study and look at this verse, you find the word refuge and the word fortress throughout this 46th chapter emphasize the ever present nature of God, especially in times of trouble, especially when there's anguish and distress. God is ever present. See? Did you get that? That when it's in these times of difficulty and trouble and you're feeling overwhelmed in relationships and life, God is most present then. He is most present then. And I want to stop because I believe that that truly would speak to somebody in here today, likely more than one person deeply, that it would resonate within you, that you are in a place of anguish or distress when you came in here today. That in your relationship it's so far from where you would want it to be and you carry this burden this painful burden day in and day out you get up you go to sleep with it and you might even be a signature away from a divorce or any week any month you're gonna make a decision that's gonna cause significant damage in your relationship and I would tell you today No, that God is ever present. He's there with you. He is your fortress. He is your refuge. You do not have to govern this on your own. You do not have to approach this within your own strength. You won't do it well. That's why so many of us are where we are today. Look, this is a church family you're in today. There are people in here who are caring people. I'm not going to tell you that there's nobody in here who's judgmental, who, who might act in a way. I'd imagine there are, but they would be the minority. The majority of people in this culture that we have at Chair City, man, they, 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 they relish the thought of being there for somebody, of, 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 of sharing and speaking into people's lives, of being there for you. You see, when we do the time of greeting, it's, it's just crazy how friendly they can be, Right? That's who we are, that's the culture. So don't go at it alone. Look, I believe today that because you are here, that God has brought you in here, that he, we call it ordained, he, he ordained your steps, he brought you in here, and that there's nothing practical about you being here, that's supernatural, but because of that, you're primed, you're in a great position to get some very practical advice from the Word of God today. That could, that could change your life that could change your relationships if you put it into play consistently. So, one, where to turn in times of trouble. And the first is look up. Just look up. Do you remember, I I think it's kind of faded out a bit, do you remember not too long ago they had the whole Pokemon Go craze going on? Oh, I just thought it was so stupid. (laughs) But that's me, I know. I'm sick, I can insult people today. Listen, if you're not familiar with it, it's this location-based kind of a reality game. I really am not well versed in, it, but I think the bottom line is you run around and try and catch these little creatures somewhere, whatever. Okay, all right. But when it first happened, it honestly looked like there was like some invasion coming on because, I mean, wherever you go, you would see people like like I mean, in neighborhoods and parks and malls, it's like wherever you went, you had, and I don't mean kids, I mean adults. I mean, everybody, you know, just (laughs) running around looking at their things, right? And because of that, it wasn't uncommon to hear about somebody falling into a fountain, which I never saw, but I wish I would (laughs) have. My favorite YouTube video is a lady who's texting in a mall. She falls into the fountain. It's awesome. (coughs) Oh, it's hysterical. So... But they were falling over curbs and twisting their ankles. I mean, it just was crazy, right? I mean, they were really getting hurt. And what was going on is that they were so attached to their phones or their apps that they were not catching what was going on around them. They didn't see the reality of what was right before them. There's actually a psychological name for this. I'm not going to get too deep on you. But when it comes to, like, people texting and going on Facebook, and, and, you know, they're living in this realm of distraction, the name of it is it. It's inattentional blindness, huh? It's also known as perceptual blindness, and it's it's a it's a psychological lack of attention that re- that's not associated because you know you have a a, a physical um, impairment. It's just coming from the way you're behaving. You're engaging in something that is making you inattentional. Meaning you can't see what's right, what's going on right behind it. You can't be sensitive to it. You can't take it in. So something's going on around you. There's a a stimulus something's taking place somebody's talking to you somebody looks a certain way something's happening right before you and you're just kind of numb to it because you're too you're too tuned in to something else whether it's texting facebook it, it could be anything in particular that you just pretty much don't see reality what's going on before you right now if you've ever watched a video of somebody suffering from inattentional blindness you know whether it's like a pokemon thing you'll see people around them saying hey hey look out or, hey, you know, look, look, look up, look, hey, right? People trying to want them, and poof, you know. <laughs> look, I must admit, when I see people heading towards trouble in their marriage or in places of trouble in their relationships, I often see them suffer from this inattentional blindness. Huh? And it has pastor, passed. I just want to let you know, here is what they're failing to see. They're failing to see God Himself. That God is ever-present, right? They're too distracted by the difficulty, the anguish. Their expectations have been kind of crumbled. They're too distracted by that to see God as their refuge. You see, we get so distracted, not just by games and videos and the snap, but by our troubles. Our troubles distract us. We get engulfed in our difficulties, right? So much so that we fail to see the big picture anymore. We become so limited, we, we, we scramble to put a plan together based only on our inintentional in blindness. We don't really see reality. We don't see the big picture. We're not seeing God and all that he is and all that he has for us, and we don't grasp that he is ever present right there in front of us to lead us, to guide us, to provide for us, to protect us, and to bring us out of this place and to glorify himself in us. And that doesn't mean there hasn't been damage, but that in that damage, we would come to know redemption, which is one of the most powerful, not the most powerful, kind of a trait of happening in all of Christianity redemption. Where we're like, wow, how did it get to this? How could I have arrived here? How could things be so good? How could I have so much calmness, peace, and joy? How could that be? Look where we were. And that's redemption, huh? It's a beautiful thing God takes what is just a mess, right? Broken, fractured. And he and he glorifies himself by putting it together and putting it back right to before us and like wow. Because he knows what we need. He knows he's got a plan for us, he has a purpose for us. <coughs> so, so look, what these doctors describe as inattentional or perceptual blindness, this condition we at times have with our Heavenly Father, right? We're too distracted. By the current pain and the current problems and the anguish, emotional anguish it causes us, we're too kind of blinded to perceive the reality that there is a God and He is ever-present and He is right in front of us. And He can solve the issue that's happening in your life. He can solve it. It's not only that the Bible says it, which that's enough for me to go to the bank with it, but we have seen it happen, not in thousands, not in millions, I'm talking in billions of cases Throughout the history of the world, we have seen this truth come to fruition. Huh? We're not blowing smoke here. We're standing on some untruth. Yeah. In times of trouble, we might find ourselves blind to our God and the help that He can bring us. My prayer is that, like David, when he penned the words during a battle, huh? In Psalm 121, verses 1 through 2, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Come on. I lift up my eyes. I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Where right now, with everything coming down around me, with all at stake, with all this difficulty, my help comes from the Lord. Huh? He's the one who made me. He made the heavens. He made the earth. He's the one who can help me. Listen. Now I'm not sure if you've tried to change someone, but that's pretty (laughs) difficult, right? So difficult that many people say it's impossible for someone to change. There are people out there who say, look, people don't really ever change, huh? But you know what? Guess who the hardest person to change is? Who? Yourself, huh? Yeah. Uh, We, you, you, me, we are the hardest to change. huh? Knowing that, we still consume ourselves with trying to change circumstances. We're trying to change people in our relationships. We're so into changing them, we never look to change ourselves. And in doing that, we never look up and see God before us. Because God is there to guide us, to change us, to elevate us, to take us out of the circle. He wants to transcend our circumstances. You can't transcend your circumstances unless you change. That's a good change, right? Meaning when you're in the midst of all the craziness, of the pain, the anguish, the difficulty, the confusion, you are not going to make a clear decision, man. You are not. huh? You'll make a choice, but it's probably not going to be a good one. And God is saying, look to me. I'm going to change how you're seeing. I'm going to change how you're feeling. I'm going to change what you're thinking. I'm going to lift you up above these circumstances so that you're not going to be like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro all over the place, suffering from this overwhelming doubt and confusion in your life. Huh? but I'm going to make your path straight, man. I'm going to give you a vision that you, you just could never have seen without turning to me. Huh? So if you're in a time of trouble today, let me encourage you. You're almost there. Yeah, you're in here today. You're hearing this practical message, which means you are closer than you think from relief, from change, from victory. I mean, you're right on the cusp of it. If you turn to God today, God, Holy Spirit, and you receive the courage that he'll pour into you, you are not far away, away from making substantial changes in your life. All right, so next. where do we do in times of trouble? We get sharpened. Yeah, there's this guy, simple illustration, who uh, wanted to work for a timber company. And he pursued them. Finally, they hired him. First day, boom, he chops down 15 trees. Awesome. Next day, 13, by the time the week was over, he's cutting down seven or eight trees, and he felt embarrassed. He goes to his boss, you know, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. The boss says, well, well have you sharpened your axe? When was the last time you sharpened your axe? He said, sharpened? Well, I haven't, because I'm, I, I just don't have the time. I'm trying to chop down the trees, right? In times of trouble, we often feel like we're working so hard, and we've been trying and working so hard for to help this relationship, but to no avail. Nothing is changing, and we're like this woodcutter. We're swinging away over and over and over. We're doing it the same way, trying to get the same solution, and yet what we've forgotten all along is that we might be working harder and really giving our best efforts, but we're not working smarter and wiser, huh? If you do the same thing, you're gonna get the same results, huh? You might kind of garnish it differently. You might, you know, turn it, flip it around, but it's the same approach. It's the same way of dealing with it. You might smile instead of scorn. You're just handling it your way, huh? The Bible says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. If you find yourself in times of trouble and you're finally able to look up for some direction, I believe that God will eventually direct you to sharpen your saw, meaning that he will direct you to go into the path of other people that will help you that that, that will give you wisdom. And we get this from the book of uh, of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom. So clearly when it says iron sharpens iron, God is saying to seek out people who are are wise, right? Why do I? Look, I've had difficulties in my marriage, and when I have, I've sought out people who I know are wise, and people who I know will speak truth into my life. Not, you know, you know, I know they're gonna hear me, they're gonna be gracious, they're gonna be kind, but they're gonna share the truth in love, even though it might hurt my pride. And it has, oh my God. Even though it might stab me in my ego, and it has, right? Now they're not trying to hurt me, and they'll say it in a nice way, they are lovingly sharpening me at that moment, and I, and I have done it to them. I, not too long ago, I was, you know, got a call probably about four or five months ago, and I'm speaking to a, a, a man, and who's actually another minister, and he's talking about this really big fight him and his wife got into. And he's like, you know, she did this and she always does this. And I, and I always tell her, listen, and, and, I, and I said, hey, I don't want to say that. I said, so, so you're saying she always does that? He says, yeah. I said, well, then what were you expecting? <laughs> you know, <laughs> It sounds to me like you were just setting her up to fail. If you knew she always does that and that's always a reaction, then why didn't you turn around and graciously you know, come alongside her and help her to come to a better place rather than just sitting back and watching her hang herself. And there was silence. <laughs> and he's like, I got it. <laughs> you know? And you, you, you could feel him deflate, but it was necessary and it was good, huh? Don't just seek out people going to tell you what you want to hear, you know? Huh? We do that. So the Bible says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. It says they can be trusted doesn't mean they're not going to hurt, right? So why do I subject myself to that pain from my Christian friends? Because as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I don't want to keep failing and screwing up my relationships. And sometimes I just got to look outside me, because me isn't working, right? And instead of going to all the wrong places, especially within myself, and listening to all the wrong things, why don't I just take some time to do a little sharpening, huh? All right. If you're still with me, number three and the last one. What do we do in times of trouble? Don't go there, huh? And man, this this is a big one. I watch people do this as they build up, you know, because it's painful. We're in anguish in our relationships. You know, there's no way to run from it, and so we're trying to, you know, reconcile in our head. We're trying. We're looking for some relief. I was speaking to somebody, (coughs) uh, uh, several, a couple of, actually, several weeks ago, and we're talking about how. You know, they've, their marriage has had some ups and some downs, but right now are in the best place they've ever been in their marriage. Wonderful. But they were saying, you know what, man? Early on in my marriage, you know, when I had just come to the faith, and if I would have listened to, like, friends, and, and, and we had a lot of difficulty early on in my marriage. He said, I look back now, and if I would have listened to some friends and some family who weren't in church and wasn't in the faith, he said, I would have got divorced. He said, I'm so grateful that I kind of leaned on, you know, uh, you know some of those, you know I, I, that I went to the right places, or, or and I leaned on the right people for this information. So here's my point. One of my favorite, w- one of my favorite verses in the Bible, you know, and maybe it's a light verse for you today. It's in the book of Proverbs, and it says, "Walk with the wise, and you'll grow wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm." Wow. Walk with the wise. For a companion of fools suffer hard, Proverbs 13, 20. In other words, who you surround yourself matters. Who you're listening to, who you're gaining advice from matters. And sometimes you just don't want to go there. Don't go to that person. Don't listen to that advice. Consider who they are. Consider where they're coming from. Huh? Because they're going to give you instructions, and you're going to take them. That's going to send you off in a poor trajectory. And we see people do this often, huh? It's important to know where to turn. Otherwise, instead of your problems minimizing, they're going to multiply. And a small, although painful, issue is going to become very ugly very fast. And it's just going to become a mess. Don't go there. Don't go to people who you don't think are can, are wise or that are going to give you good biblical counsel and good biblical instructions. That doesn't mean they're, they're not good people, doesn't mean they don't care about you. It means they're going to be giving you instructions that are not going to honor God, that are not going to point you to God, that are not going to be good biblical sound. I mean, hey, hey, who invented marriage? God. God is the author of marriage. That's, that's not my profession that's, or my assumption or my, my touting my faith. That's just fact. God is the author of marriage. The Bible is the author of marriage, huh? a monogamous relationship, man and woman. That's the Bible. So where does the best instructions come from on this relationship? It's there in the Bible. And you're going to get your best instructions from people who are gleaning into the Bible, who have absorbed its truth and are now willing and wanting <coughs> and unselfishly, not pointing on their own, leaning on their own experiences or their own, you know, ah, I, you know I hate this and all, they, 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 you never trust this one. They're just going to speak the truth into your life, yeah? Look, so going to these friends and these family members and people might not be the best thing to do, huh? And you might have a, a counselor. We're all about counseling here. But I advise you to go to a Christian counselor. More and more I've seen this. That doesn't mean there are counselors out of very competent and very good that aren't Christian. I'm sure. I know there are, but eventually I see the conflict that comes out, where they don't have a value or don't recognize your faith, and so inevitably they're going to counsel you from a place that conflicts with your faith, and there's going to be a, a conflict, and there's going to be an inner turmoil. There's going to be confusion. You don't want to go there. If you have to drive a long distance, I would drive an hour and a half to go to my counselor, an hour and a half each way, three hours round trip. Because th- that person I knew loved God, was rooted in biblical truth. I mean, he, he was able to combine excellent counseling with great biblical truth, and he loved God. I mean, after all, it is my life I'm dealing with, right? <laughs> you know, why not, why not put, you know, it is my marriage I'm dealing with, you know? It's not like I, you know? It's not like there's a leaky faucet here. Why not invest the time and the effort to go to somebody who is good, who can provide strong biblical counsel, who loves God and cares for people, right? It's so worth the time. We, we not only believe; we invest in it. We 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 contribute. When people are willing to go to a council, we pay about half of it here. That's how much we believe in it. So, I think there's somebody, you know, in here today. <coughs> excuse me. That you know they're not so much about as we as we move towards closing here. Uh, worship, do you want you to come up? So I don't forget to call you up, and you're scrambling up here. So you're not so much about, you know, going there or not going there. You're not so much about, it's not so much that, yeah, yeah, you're seeking good counsel or that you're going to bad counsel. You just don't do anything, right? When pain and difficulty comes in your relationships, you just, you just like a turtle. You just suck right in, huh? You go right into your shell. Like it's not happening and nothing's going on. You just, you can't deal with it. And that's just so unhealthy. And to a point you don't realize, but you're really close to giving up, Huh? You're really closer, and you might realize to just giving up or getting to that place what I call stuck in a moment, which is a bad place to get to. where finally you're overwhelmed emotionally. Yeah, you do have emotions. You do, okay? You have two eyes, two ears, and you have emotions, huh? And you can only take take so much emotionally, huh? And when you're just withdrawing, as we talked about this out a couple of weeks ago, it's gonna take its toll, and you're gonna get stuck in this moment where it's gonna be some. You're gonna say, okay, this is it. That's it. This is how I'm dealing with it, and and you are going to get stuck there for a long time. A lot of pain for you, a lot of pain for your spouse. You don't need to go there. You need to know that there is hope, that you can turn to good people for good insight, who do love God, people in here, huh? That you can work things out in your marriage, huh? Can I ask you this question today as we close out? As you are preparing to settle on an option of what to do with pain or difficulty or conflict in your relationship, in your real relationship, have you looked up? Yes. I mean, really. As you felt that agitation with your spouse, the conflict with your spouse, as you're tolerating things, you just they just, you know, you, you, you <laughs> they're giving you like migraines. Have you looked up? Have you recognized the ever presence of God, right? Or are you functioning in this inattentional blindness, so distracted by the pain and the circumstances that you've not really looked to God, huh? We have a saying here that we, we glance at God and we gaze at our problems, <laughs> and we gaze at the pain, and we want to reverse it, right? We want to glance at our problems and our pain, and we want to gaze at God, the ever-present fortress and refuge, the all-powerful, almighty God, our Heavenly Father. So... I want to ask you today, if you would do that, that if you would pause this moment, this day, and you would look to God, and you would dwell and you would wait, expecting to sense his ever-presence, expecting to have a sense that he is lifting you up and raising you up and beginning to do something mighty in you, right? And pushing out all these negatives and all these anxieties and all these worries, and just focusing on God. (coughs) If you say to me, Dave, you know what? I just, I don't. I really don't sense his presence. (laughs) I'm, I'm just telling you. I would tell you right now, you can. You can. I've been there, you know? What you need to do is just take the jump, take the plunge, and within yourself, be resolved to commit your life To God, he's God, you know. He's not the flavor of the day. He's not an accessory to put into your life. He's not a sideshow, he's God. And if you will commit your life to God, then you will sense his ever presence. And today, if you would turn to him, And you would believe as we believe of those who follow Jesus, that Jesus gave his life on the cross for our sins. And that by believing in his death and resurrection, that we have salvation and that we have eternal life. And that just means something, huh? That the God who created the world, the heavens and the earth, the God who made us, that we can be in right position to talk to him, to recognize him, to feel him and to spend eternity with him. So if you stand with me and you bow your head, I just want to close in prayer. Father, I love you. I'm so grateful for this day and for my friends that you've brought in here, oh God. These people, Lord, have taken the time, oh God, to come in here. God, I pray that they would leave here with a greater sense of your presence today, oh God. Lord, I pray that they leave here today looking up, oh God. Looking to you, oh God, and knowing that they are not alone, oh God. That they have a place of refuge, a place of protection, a place of comfort, oh God, a place of not being judged, oh God. They have the ability to go before your throne of grace and mercy with confidence and boldness, knowing they will receive something for their anguish and their pain, O oh God. Lord, I pray that they turn to you each and every one. In Jesus' name, Amen.